0: So I titled this message, Some Things Never Change, because in, in the span of eternity, God has not changed, nor will he change. He is, as he said in the Old Testament, he is, and his word does not change. Though laws in our country, ordinances, a lot of things change. Things change almost uh, by the hour, it seems these days. But the statement is true in a lot of, like people have used this statement. Um, I've heard people in my life say things like, oh yeah, so-and-so did this again. Some things never change. There is that. There's an element. I'll, I'll grant you that that sometimes people's predict- predictive behavior does not change. There is some truth to that. But the world as you and I know it right now is changing very, very quickly. And in our country currently, um, over the past two and a half years, almost like no other time in history, um, as the bible predicts when when people move kind of to and fro and information starts to be the new commodity, which it is information is is power and money and everything nowadays, it seems that things have gotten so crazy with change that folks are they 're giving up they're they 're in despair. It's keeping Christians, in—in in what I am seeing, a lot of Christians off balance is the way I would, the way I would kind of, it seems like that's what it feels like. <clears throat> so I want to take us back to the beginning. We're only going to cover six verses because there's so much to look at in Hebrews chapter 13, but it is, it is a closing chapter, and it is a chapter that when we look at it, sometimes you look at this chapter and you go, man, this could have almost been like, like, a, like a preface to the book or, or to the letter. But we're at the end of of the letter, and I want to always remind us of the context. The author wrote this book to Hebrew Christians, many of whom were in despair, many of whom were bailing out, many of whom were thinking, ah, let's go back to Judaism. Things were easier. It's nostalgic. It's the temple's still here. It would be for a couple more years at the most. And so they were they were just flirting with going back to the way things used to be, and the the easier way. Of the days before Christ. Read uh, uh, with me verse 1. It's just one sentence. It says, Let brotherly love continue. That is the sentence. That is verse 1. Let brotherly love continue. Brotherly love is an interesting uh, term for Americans because we always are told that Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. Now, I have not been to Philadelphia. I have some Philadelphia friends, and they are interesting guys. These guys, they're all Philly fans and Eagles fans, which makes them really annoying Uh, right off the bat. There's certain sports fans that are just annoying off the bat. Look, I don't like the Dodgers. I don't like the Giants. I don't like the Rockies, but I don't really find their fans annoying at all. Green Bay fans, those are the most annoying fans in all of sports, seconded by the St. Louis Cardinal fans. All that aside, uh, that, is, that is likely slanted by the teacher um, and where the teacher grew up um, and how much beating the Green Bay Packers do to my bears. That's okay. They still wear cheese heads. They walk around with foam cheese heads on their heads. I mean, d- come on. I mean, right there. You, you got enough to, to mock them for the rest of their lives. But w- we, I talk about this all the time when we, when we talk about love. We don't have the Greek expanse of this word. <clears throat> and this word is brotherly love. It just says straight up, let brotherly love continue. We don't even need to know which love he's talking about. We know it's Philadelphia. That is the Greek. Literally is the Greek. We named our city. When you, when you Google the pronunciation of this word, it literally is Philadelphia. It's got a little bit of a, a couple of nuances to it, but it's Philadelphia. Philadelphia. And it it means the love of brothers and sisters, comma, brotherly love. And in the New Testament, it references Christians cherishing each other as brothers and sisters. That's what it means. So right off the bat, we are, we're kind of wondering like, why did you start this chapter with that sentence? Let brotherly love continue. Uh, Because it's probably not. That's why you would tell somebody something, right? Why do you tell your kids, wipe your feet off? because we're just in mud puddles and they're not wiping their feet off. That's why you tell them. You don't tell them to wipe their feet off as they are doing that before you even see them. You do it because it's, there's a lack thereof. So when we look at um, this idea of brotherly love, uh, in their day, some of these Christians, true, the true Christians, not necessarily Hebrew Christians, but some of the true Christians were actually going back some of, the, some of these Hebrews were going back, but a lot of the Christians were actually being persecuted. Some were being killed, some were being uh, beaten, some were being, you know, lose, they would lose their, their jobs because they weren't, uh, they weren't pledging allegiance to Caesar, which had, was an annual thing that those in the Roman Empire had to do. They had to pinch this incense and they had to do all these uh, things that basically said Caesar is Lord and christians couldn 't do that because they 're not polytheistic because they they would say, "The Lord is the Lord, Jesus is Lord, and so it was a it was a call to love the brothers and sisters. why? Because when you and I are loved by our other brothers and sisters, when we are in trouble, when we 're in turmoil, when there's uh, issues facing us that are really kind of rough, that feels like oh man i, I have I have somebody I have I have people that, they're not my biological blood, but they're brothers and sisters. They're coming alongside, they're helping me. They're bringing me meals, they're praying for me. They're, they're sending me a, a card or whatever it is, visiting me in the hospital or whatever it is. That love needs to continue because it wasn't. The um, Jesus was was full of both grace and truth and he taught and he lived amongst the people. Some of these some of these Hebrew Christians had seen Jesus teach. Verse two says, "Do not forget to entertain strangers, for by doing so, some have unwittingly entertained angels." This is an interesting verse. A lot of um, a lot of people take this and they go into different arenas that I'm not going to not going to go into today. But um, when you and I think about um, the strangers, what, what does that actually mean? What is, what is a stranger to you? What is a stranger to me? I think a lot of people, when, I, when I've heard guys talk about this in the last 10 years, they always talk about homeless. They always talk about people on the street corners. They always talk about people with the signs, at the stop signs. And that is definitely a stranger. That is one aspect for sure. But there's, there's also so much more that is a stranger, that, that somebody that is not necessarily known to you right this minute, when someone comes in from outside of this church and is new to this church, how do you react? How do I react? Do we do we embrace them? If they need something, if they come in with a need, how do we handle them? Because in their day, some had, had entertained angels not knowing that they were angels. Um, I've been in a couple of... Um, situations when I was younger where I believed who I was encountering might have been an angel. And um, I think I told you guys this years back, we were on a missions trip to uh, Navajo Nation in the early 90s. And uh, one of the 15 passenger vans, the 15 passenger vans back then were like super top heavy and they were known for like flipping. They were just, no I mean, if you drove on these uh, mountain roads up there, a lot of times they would just lose their their footing in, and they would, they would slide kind of out of control. But because they're top heavy, and because they have 15 people seat belted in five feet above the ground, the, the amount of weight just kind of makes them topple. And so they were, uh, this group, they were, we had several sites of kids. The site was in a, in a very rural area of Navajo Nation, and it was at night, and the car, I believe, was overheating. And they drove into this, uh, this patch with some of the desert plants and underneath the catalytic converter started on, it was so hot, it started a desert plant on fire. They're in the middle of nowhere. No one's around anywhere. This guy walks up out of nowhere within minutes, throws a huge bucket of water on it and walks away. Just walks out of nowhere into the middle of nowhere, back into nowhere. And those types of things, when you look at them, you're like, how could somebody know where we even are right now? I and mean, this is 90s, no cell phones, no early 90s. Uh, they had no phones, they had no GPS, they had nothing. These types of things, don't forget to entertain strangers. Don't forget to be brotherly love to all people. And, and on occasion, some of you guys have, have done this and you didn't even know the person was a messenger from God himself. Um, I wrote in my Bible a while back, do not have a double life. Don't be nice to certain people, and then other people, you're just like, I don't, I don't have to be nice to them for this reason and this reason and this reason. He said in verse 3, remember the prisoners as if chained with them, those who are mistreated, since you yourselves are in the body also. Now, obviously, this is a call, clearly a call from Christians to other Christians to the body but once again the double life thing is so Jesus wasn't one way to like his guys and then another way to like the woman who is caught in adultery or the children or the people wherever he wasn't he was always the same way with people and so we remember the prisoners who are the prisoners well in their case it was Christians that were imprisoned for being Christians because of the Roman emperor and this is the time where uh, Nero started ramping it up, we believe. I mean, nobody knows exactly what year this was written, but we believe mid-60s. There are some people who go, no, 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 it was way earlier than that. Either way, the Caesars were not good to Jesus' followers. They were, they were horrible. Rome was threatened by it for a million reasons. But one of them was they, they just couldn't take this, this spirit of Christ out of these people that before had been so scared that before had bailed out on Jesus himself. So remember the prisoners as if chained with them. Pretend that you are truly with them. Like, Like imagine these are people who are gonna be in the same place. If you're in Christ, you guys are going to the same place. Don't forget about them. Those are who are mistreated, people who are mistreated also. They could be some of the prisoners. They could be people who are just mistreated for their faith. Since you yourselves are in the body also, the body is a worldwide body it 's not this it 's not five other churches it 's not just calvary chapelites it 's the body of christ the uni- the universal christian church that 's who it is. You and I are linked to these folks if we 're in christ and I really um, want to talk about this the whole, the quote the hospitality thing um, because when you when you entertain strangers. That's one thing. Um, we don't really live in the same type of uh, the the, ho- the hospitality for Jewish people, especially toward Jewish people. Um, the the hospitality of our day. Some people go, I have the gift of hospitality. I'm always doing. Um, I'm always bringing people into my house, or I'm always feeding people, or I'm always um, making meals and taking them to, to folks. That's awesome. I think hospitality can be can be a little more broad than just bringing somebody in. Um, who has no place to go and like sheltering them for until they can get on their feet? Um, between the the hotels, the missions, the the shelters that we have in our culture, they didn't have this stuff. I want to read you for you something about the the inns. We call them motels and hotels and resorts now. Um, affluent Romans avoided the inns. Jesus was born in an inn. Lest you think that was a hotel. You guys know the story, so I, I'm preaching to the choir on that one. But when we talk about an inn, the only inn anymore is what, Days in? Like, nobody calls them that anymore. Um, however, the affluent Romans avoided the inns, preferring to set up their own tents or to stay with friends. Roman writers um, criticized the inns for their adulterated wine, filthy sleeping quarters, bed bugs. Yes, they had them then. That's not just South Tucson. Um, or Miracle Mile. It was probably a better one. Um, uh, the innkeepers were dishonest, the gamblers, the thieves, and the prostitutes. So when we talk about like the quote cool red light district in, the, in these, these places like Chicago, LA, New York, probably a little closer. Would you put your friend in one of those? You would not. When, when uh, a buddy of mine called me uh, last fall and he goes, hey, my daughter's in a tennis tournament in Oro Valley, where should I stay? I go, oh, Hilton El Conquistador. Because it's, it's a very, very nice resort. Like you're wanting to be nearby. He goes, I want to stay near where she is. I go, I actually think based on where that's at, I think that's close to where the tennis courts are. He goes, but of, he goes, uh, like Omni, La Paloma, whatever. I go, if you want to be close and you want to be super comfortable, um, that's the place. Now, this is a person who, who does not struggle with money. Um, if he had, I certainly would have, if he was like, hey, man, we don't have any place to stay. Well, of course you can come stay with me. But that's not the case. He wanted to. He wanted to kind of sprawl out and swim and go down the water slide. Yes, my friends love water slides. Um, but this is not the same type of a thing. Hotels today are not um, rare. It's not like our city doesn't have enough. We have them everywhere you look. There's 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 hotels. We've kind of grown up like liking this. In fact, sometimes we go and we vacation and we go to places as Americans where we're going to see friends, we're like, hey, we're over at JW, you guys come over and use the Lazy River and the pool. Like that that's more like what we're, you know, oh, do you guys have a pool? No. Well, come and join us. Like come and enjoy um, our five-star experience with us. That's kind of more like today's, like what we're used to. But a lot of it is because no, who would want to stay at a place like that? And growing up in, in the Chicagoland area, I, I have been to neighborhoods like this and you wouldn't want to on a bet, you wouldn't even feel safe staying in a place like this. Well, the, the rich Romans didn't either. They were Romans and they didn't want to st- Like rich people that could afford stayed with friends, stayed with family. They would never want to stay there. Now, like I said, our, our hospitality is a little bit different. But the principle of being hospitable when someone comes to you and says, hey, right now, I, I literally am living in my car. I have nothing. Um, could you help me? That's happened to me a few times in, in the last few years here. And yes, I have helped in those cases um, and, and helped on different levels. You know, hey, I'm going to help you do this over here. I'm going to help you go over here or, or help you get a room at a place. Of, you know, hey, i like to stay at this place. If I have a job interview. There's a shower there. People do like that. They, they do like, they don't mind staying in places like this. But it's it's the idea of the Good Samaritan, like you see the person that passes by the person in need, whether that person is a family member of yours, or a person that goes to your church, a person that you met who's going through something. They're gonna lose their house or they're gonna lose where, the, um, whatever the case is, being willing to step up because of your allegiance to Christ. Being willing to step up and say, I'm gonna help you solve this. I might not have much but I'm gonna help you. The text is clear that in this case, some of these folks were entertaining as they brought in people in need. Some of these folks, it was almost like a little test. Some of these folks were entertaining angels. Um, I wanna spend a little bit more time on verse four. Marriage is honorable among all. I cannot underscore that enough. Marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. We're going to stop there for a second. When you think about, when you read a Bible verse, I was talking to somebody this week about this. They said, well, I believe a lot of the Bible, but not, I don't believe it literally or I don't believe every single word. Well, okay, so we're not dealing with, we're not, we're not apples to apples here. Christians, people that follow Christ, believe this is all God's word. All of it. You can't just delete passages of it. The way a cult starts is to find an obscure passage that maybe speaks to them, or maybe there's an angle they can play with it, and then they take that and leave everything else, and they just camp there. And um, I was I was watching a video about a guy who was diagnosing a specific church that is very very big in our society was talking about this is where it took he goes it took me 60 hours to find out what their real game plan was and the game plan was jesus only all the time anything else that is not explained in jesus like the quote red letters you basically just push that to the background and A.W. And, uh, Tozer said, whenever a sect or a, a cult starts, they take one passage, they highlight it, and they push everything else aside. That's, that's, that's basic 101. You can find a verse where you could almost go, see, uh, here, Jesus healed 100% of the people in the area. That means if you're not being healed, you're probably not really either uh, believing enough or you're not really in the faith. That's not true. I mean, Jesus didn't heal every single person that he came across, not every single person. And John says there's, there's so much more you don't even know about what Jesus did uh, in his ministry tour. So marriage has been redefined by the federal government, but that has nothing to do with God's word. God's word is God's word. Marriage is, what do we do? We go back to the beginning when God made marriage, when he set it up. What did God do? When he set up marriage, he got a context where no one could misunderstand or take him out of context or put it on TikTok and delete portions of it. No, he, he created all things. He created man in his image and he let man see that everything else that was created was not a help meet, was not somebody a soulmate. Yes, dogs are great, guys. I have four of them. Obviously, I'm a dog guy. I love dogs, but they're not my best friend. They're not going with me on my trips to California on a Southwest flight for a million reasons. And I'm not going to put something over the top of them and say um, the reason I'm carrying this dog is because I need it, like it's I'm in a relationship with it. And so it flies for free or whatever. That's That wasn't, the, the context was, Adam, you are to be over all things, your dominion, you're in charge, okay? This is, the, this is the garden, here it is. Name the animals. Uh, you're, this is your domain. And after a while, he's like, nothing, nothing is popping here, God. This isn't working. Like, they're great, they're wonderful, but I, I don't connect with them. And God made woman. Put them together together. Married them, union, the two become one flesh. He says it. Jesus even references the exact same uh, verbiage in Genesis in the New Testament. So that's marriage. Nothing else is, period. I don't care what the government says. Nothing else is godly marriage. So marriage is honorable among all and the bed undefiled. Why would you have to say this? Because clearly stuff was going on in their day as it has been, as it has been going on and misunderstood in our day. So it's when God set up humanity, the first thing after all this is he joined for the context of family. The, the, the bed is undefiled. It's assumed that God gave sex for several reasons when we read Genesis and when we read uh, Jesus' is reiterating the Genesis account. So we have in this relationship one man, one woman, In this relationship, sex is not only how families are built. In this context, it is pleasurable. There is a chemical that bonds, called oxytocin, which bonds these two together. That is marriage. Now, have we messed it up? Absolutely we have. Have we messed up everything? Absolutely we have. There's nothing we haven't messed up. Period. Nothing, like God throws all these things out there, and we mess it up. I liken it to dominoes. If you set up dominoes for a two or three-year-old, I'd like to do that with Stella. Um, Many of you guys know Stella. It won't be, I won't even be getting to my little horseshoe to the end before she knocks them down again. Because that's, it's fun, right? But think of the dominoes as something that God is building. We just, we knock it down. We constantly mess it up. We constantly need a bailout. We constantly need his help. And yet in our country, we act like we don't. We redefine stuff all the time. We legislate sin. We keep making laws that are more lenient and more liberal and more like, hey, just do whatever you want. Even the CEO of Starbucks coffee, Howard Schultz, not a conservative Christian, just so you know. This week, he, last week he announced that they have to minimally immediately shut down 16 stores due to the safety of the employees because it is so dangerous for them to work. Guess which cities they're in. I'll let you guess. You can guess on your own. They're not in the most uh, law and order cities in our country. Um, Several are in Portland, I believe, um, which is legalized heroin. So we have the highest percentage in the world of single-parent household, America. We lead the world in a lot of things. This isn't a good one. We misuse, pervert, and abuse sex outside of this union like it's our job, like we're paid to do it. That's what this country has between pornography and the sex trades, plural. One of them we call Hollywood's movies. That's, that's a sex trade on one level. Um, it, it just, every single movie they put out, misuses, abuses, perverts sex, every one of them. PG-13 enough? find me one that doesn't. But God's like, hey, I didn't set it up that way. Why am I being blamed for it? Why am I being the one who has to, um, God doesn't have to like defend himself to me and you. But we, we say things like, well, it doesn't, that, doesn't, that doesn't really work. Marriage doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work anymore because you forgot what leads up to it. You didn't do the things that lead up to it, and you didn't, Uh, approach it from a biblical worldview. The enemy works overtime in this department, overtime, to make sure that sex is promoted in any other context except for the godly one. That's what Satan's job is right now. He is going at it harder and more aggressively than ever. Because why? Because it destroys families and therefore we can be completely fractured. And that's what we have right now. Um, the garden of Eden before corruption was perfect. And a lot of these things we're dealing with were perfect. Satan came in almost immediately and attacked what? What did he attack? He attacked God's word. Did God really say that? Well, you know he's holding out on you, don't you? What What are kids told right now? Sex is what? Um, well, you don't want to do the Christian thing because A, you don't even want to get married. No one's getting married anymore. That's the new trend. Um, and they say you shouldn't have sex before you get married. Well, wow, God's—they're—they're they're really holding out on you. And so what? Well, start to get to know it at five, six, seven, and eight years of age on this thing, because it's all tons of it's for free. You can just view it for for free. So we give kids mechanisms to destroy the wiring of their brain as early as possible, so that they can never think biblically about it. That's Satan's number one thing. Why? Because it all eventually leads to the same thing, a fractured family. If, if a, you can mess somebody up in this department beforehand, before they ever get to, quote, marriage, they won't even think about doing it. And that's what we're finding. The statistics are, they're as high as ever. Uh, millennials and below are saying, oh, I would never want to get married. Like, they're just not marrying we have a low. It's it's now the minority that are married in, in in this country. So the marriage bed, one man, one woman is is undefiled. However, people who practice sex in any other context, God is going to judge that. That's what the second part of the verse says. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Verse five. Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. This is a hard one. Uh, the the ladies Bible study the book is going to be highlighting that, but as Christians we struggle with this one big time. We really really do. It's America, so your neighbor probably has maybe a nicer car, maybe has a, you know, maybe has a lake house or maybe he has a, a couple of jet skis or whatever. And just the little stuff, right? It's the little things. I wish I had a little more money. I wish I had. I wish I had weekends off so I can go up and do what my neighbor does or. Whatever, whatever it ends up being, covetousness is so broad. It can be so many things. Those are ones I've struggled with. Those are why I brought those. to. Because you just, especially when it's 107, you're like, how bad would it be if I just moved to, I don't know, Pine Top, Alpine, Flagstaff. You just, every summer, it's the same. It's a like groundhog day for me. I'm like, why do you not know that this happens? Every July, this happens. Um, Some monsoons are a little better than others. This one's not been so hot yet, although I'm praying for a great week. I believe it will be. Um, But be content, Dan. Not everybody, except for San Diegans, enjoy 12 months out of 12 of great weather. Okay? If you want to pay a million five for a 300 square foot condo, that's fine. Just make the money somehow. And then we get into another loop of covetousness for me. Um, I've moved past all that. The dream of La Jolla. I've dreamed about it. uh, And I've dropped it. But be content with such things as you have. Godliness with contentment is biblical gain. It is actual gain. Now it is not world-like gain. Satan's not going to be like, yeah, that's great gain. You know what? You being content and loving Jesus, that's great. He's going to tell you every other thing. The opposite. The enemy is going to you. I mean, you say something on your phone, you say something, and then you're at work, and then the ads of lake houses in Tennessee starting at 39 grand. Where did that come from? Well, you said something to somebody, and the AI that's inside of your, your device is letting you know, hey, you can have this, no money down, timeshares, uh, whatever it is. Be content with what your lot in life, whatever that lot in life is, be content. In the scheme of this passage, Hebrews and their where they were living, how, how the persecution was about to ramp up like they had never seen before, it, it's not gonna be much longer, guys. Be content while you're here with what you have, what God's given you. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. You have to be in a bad place. A lot of us sometimes can be in our the, the brain space to read that verse, which is out of Deuteronomy, and be like, what does that mean to me, really? I will never leave you nor forsake you. We, we know that Jesus said that to the disciples, but this goes all the way back to, De, De, to Deuteronomy, that God said this to his people. I will never leave you guys. I'm never gonna forsake you, even though the government is gonna. The government's gonna be coming hard for you, Hebrews. You have to make your choice. The very next book, which is called Joshua, Joshua said this. And he said, hey guys, God is going to be your God. You have to live by this covenant. And if you don't, there's gonna be a curse. But today, choose this day, which which, as he was dying, Joshua said, choose this day who you're gonna serve. He said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So you and I may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear, what can man do to me? That's an interesting one, what can man do to me? They were struggling with what man was about to do to them. They were struggling with what man had already done to some of their friends. And so for us, uh, for this, you know, the passage is. it's almost, we're, we're almost out of this book. And we will likely finish next week, uh, God willing, the rest of this, this letter. But the concluding thoughts are the questions of the six verses. Do you and I love one another genuinely? If we don't, it's something to earmark down and talk to God about. Are we gentle and caring to people we do not know? Not the people we do know. Not our favorite Christians. Not our friends that are the most like us. Let's not be double-minded. Let's not treat people with double standards. Double standards are all over the place. They can mean so many different things. I just mean, when you're in a good mood and you walk into a store And you're really, really, really like, like you've got some fumes from your, maybe you're like, uh, you know, I'm doing really good with the Lord. And today when the Walmart person can't return your stuff in less than an hour and a half and you're like, it's okay. But what about the next day when you've been cut off eight times because it's Tucson on the way into Walmart and you didn't have time to, to really set your heart on true north this morning and you walk in and that same person is right there. And you're like, why can't you guys do your jobs? Let's not be those people. Let's not be the double life people. Let's not be the, the, the two standard people. Are we gentle and caring to people we don't know? How is our conduct? Are we struggling with what's going on with others? Fake book? Are we looking at what the neighbor just bought? I got some friends on Facebook. I got to unfollow. You don't know any of them, I promise you. I really got to unfollow. them. they're always on vacation. I'm not kidding you. They're always on vacation. They're all health coaches. They're life coaches. They all live east of the Mississippi, so don't worry. Once again, you don't know them. If you try and deduce by my friends, I'll deny when you tell me, hey, is it this guy or that guy? But they're, they're, I know them. They're good people. I used to work with them in Chicago. They're, they're always on vacation. Every picture, all of their six children, half of them adopted, are all smiling. They're all wearing the cutest swimsuits on the raft in the lake house. I'm not going to say where. Um, Yeah, man, I would love that. I would love it. I'd love to not be here in July. That would be a starter. But then my mind goes off on other places. Dan, are you struggling with what others are? If you are, maybe Fakebook needs to be, maybe we need a diet from Fakebook. I'm sorry, Facebook, is that what it's called? Are we struggling with contentment? Yes, a lot of times we are. We live in the country where we struggle with this the most. Are we seeking the Lord for help? Are we fearful? And lastly, do we fear man? What was that last Psalm? I'll read you that Psalm as we close. Psalm 118.6. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? If you believe the enemy and you believe what man tells you, you might fear him a whole lot. You might fear the the world system a whole lot. But God said, fear the one that can take both your life and your soul. Don't fear the one that can take your life and can't take your soul. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. Tons of work, tons of homework for us. I feel this week. Let's pray. God, uh, as we look at these, uh, these verses, we know that these brothers um, that received this letter, these brothers and sisters were struggling a whole lot with going back to something a little less painful, a little less, uh, a little less uh, prosecuted, and a lot more comfortable. And God, sometimes uh, we fall into that, that too in this country. Sometimes we don't open our mouth when we should uh, because of the backlash that might ensue. God, help us to be bold. Help us to know that you are our helper, that you do not fear any man, um, and that you created all things, God. So our allegiance needs to be first to you in all areas of our lives. Help us, Lord, with that this week in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.